Welcome to the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson. Wife, mom blessed by adoption, Jesus freak, wonderluster, overcomer, encourager, and an intentional living coach for moms. If you've stumbled upon this podcast, you're likely a Christian mom who's seeking more peacefully productive days. And what does that mean when we put it together? Well, first and foremost, we're focused on the peace that surpasses understanding and the steadfast loving kindness that comes from our Father in heaven. Next, we're focused on being good stewards of all our gifts and resources that we have been given in this life. And next, we want to be productive members of our family and our home, as well as our community and the kingdom. So if that sounds like you, let's go dig into today's episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. Hello, sisters, and welcome back for another episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Starr-Robertson, and I am here with a very special guest today. She is a mom of teens, and she loves having meaningful conversations with them. She is a group practice owner of a counseling company here locally in the Anchorage, Alaska area called Confluence. It's akconfluence.com is where you can find her, and she is an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. Okay. She's an LPC for over a decade, a decade and a half, actually, and also an LPC supervisor. She has um, an EMDR certification and has coached and, or not coached, she has counseled in a variety of different areas. So welcome, Ellie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Do you want to add anything to that? Introduce yourself to us. Thank you, Sasha. It's lovely to be here. Um, Yeah, in addition, I would just add that I've had uh, tons of experience running groups, uh, both as the primary counselor and as and a co-counselor doing healthy adult relationship groups for several years. And I there is so much joy for me in in and being with people on their journey. And I'm just glad uh, to have had this opportunity to be here. Thank you. Awesome. I know Ellie was telling me she is one of the weird ones that has known what she wanted to be when she grew up since you were, what did you say, 12 years old? 12 years old. Wow. I just, I knew this, my heart was in this and I've known it from an early age and my parents have always been, been very supportive. Um, And I was just too confident that this is what it was supposed to be. And here I am. And I still love it. That's awesome. I love that. I, I feel like I really like going deep in the conversation with people. Like, tell me all of your secrets and all of your fears and all of like the things that are like worst case scenario, whatever. Um, But don't ask me to talk about the weather or like, oh, how have you been? Oh, great. You like this, like surface conversation like that's my introvertism I guess just is like nails on a chalkboard to me but I don't know does do you relate to that at all oh yes you are what I call a deep water fish oh okay it's a deep water fish um you know there are some of us that just our heart calls for these deeper conversations and Mm -hmm. we're not scared of being vulnerable and we embrace it 
with everything we have. Yeah. And a lot of us are out there. Um, it can be really scary for some of us that aren't as used to deep water fish. You know, different things happen in our lives, traumas, um, you know, and different different types of feedback that maybe aren't as positive when we try to go there with with the with the wrong person mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better explanation there but um yeah you are a deep water fish Great. and i i can definitely relate i have a title for it now <laughs> so more identifiers for myself so you guys know if you've been listening to this podcast or like in my circle following me on social like i don't hide parts of my past that are ugly or traumatic like i think Social media has led our culture into this very deep, dark pit, really, where people can't be vulnerable and transparent and they have to isolate and hide um, a lot of the things about themselves that might feel icky or like not perfect even. Um, and so I am like fighting against that. So if you're in my circle, you know, traumatic past, whatever else. And I, I really am all about helping people through that. But at the same time, I am not a licensed professional counselor. I do not have a certification. I do not have training and techniques like they do. And you all know therapy is a huge part of my story, like well over 10 grand, many years in counseling and therapy. And actually one of the first counselors that I saw in my adult life was Ellie. And um, I'm just super grateful because really... I think I shared this recently in a post about how like Ellie has seen me at my darkest, like only my husband really has seen like the ugliness that Ellie has seen in me. Um, and I'm not saying like, you know, you didn't say it was ugly. Like you still saw the potential in me through all of that. And it's just like, it's so incredible to be around somebody who is able to like see you for your potential and like, help guide you through that. And like Ellie was the one who led me through EMDR and all these other things. And so this was many years ago, gosh, not, not quite a decade ago, but maybe seven years ago or something like that. It was a while ago. Um, it was a muddy time. Yeah. But we got through it. Yeah. But anyways, what you had just mentioned earlier just really made me think about that and want to share that about like the story in this relationship, because I know you have so much value that you give to others and, um, and I do believe that there is a difference between counseling and coaching. And if like, I've had clients that I have referred to, like, you need to go to counseling because this is, I can recognize there's stuff in the past that's getting in the way and holding you stuck. That's why you're not able to move forward. And that's what I feel like my area is really like, let's move forward. Yes. But there's definitely a, a difference, a distinction between counseling and coaching. Each one has its place. For yeah. sure. But they are very complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And Ellie, you brought like this whole packet today with you. And part of it has to do with something that you have coming up, uh, a training and class that you're going to be teaching that I am going to be taking part in because I see so much value in just a very brief conversation that we've had about it. So do you want to take it away and share with us just some of what this is, what you have planned and sure. Well, it's a, um, I am, I am going to be an official trainer for sanity school. And what it is, is, um, it's a six week course for parents that have, uh, kiddos that are neurocomplex and by neurocomplex, uh, most of the, the 
most of the parents mean ADHD, and it really is historically what the uh, what the workshop or the six week program was created for was for parents of children with ADHD. But really over the years, it's turned into pretty much any kid that has any kind of neurocomplexity. And neurocomplexity is something as challenging as ADHD or a kiddo on the spectrum. And it could also be something as rewarding and just as challenging as a gifted child. So it's any kid that that just has some kind of neurocomplexity. And I love the um, the course because it really breaks down what sometimes feels like an overwhelming role in our lives as parents, as mothers. And we we have a tendency to just want to be what uh, what the sanity school sometimes calls fix it Fran mm. <laughs> and want just to do everything for everyone and we lose ourselves in it right and that's where um you know it, this is so complimentary me being here because the intentional abundance um, is all about that self-care aspect of you know of the parent of mom um, and so the six-week course really hones in on, all right, once you have this self-care piece, what is a reasonable trajectory? What's a reasonable path to get to still make these changes that you want to make within your family? And when is it time to just kind of chill out <laughs> and take care of yourself? Um, in the first week, we talk about eight different eight different sections of what we call the impact wheel of life. Um, it includes uh, things like consciously creating the tone of your home, how to avoid judgment, leading uh, leading your parenting from inspiration, taking a marathon view. Because as you know, as parents, sometimes we get really stuck on this needs to change now, and he's two and a half. Yep. Right. <laughs> and we have like sixteen years to go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, we really, um, as parents, you know, we need to, there's a lot of shifting of perspectives um, that this course helps us do, not just uh, shifting expectations of ourselves, but also of these wonderful children in our lives. Um, some other things we cover are um, how to not take things personally um, when we're in these um when we're in these roles and and in the thick of it with our children, how to let go, how to use a strengths-based approach. Um, and all of this is really within within the realm of using what uh, what we call the coach approach with our child. Um, and it's not to say that we are their coach as their parent. Uh, we definitely don't want you to be anything but their parent. Um, but it's a lot easier to use these set of skills and um, what we call the coach approach to see to see movement in the work you're trying to do and mm -hmm. the changes you're wanting to make with your family. So I personally took this as a parent myself years and years ago. And I was so pleased with the outcome that I said, you know, eventually I have got to include this as a part of my um, as a part of my professional role in my community. So I did the training and um, I think I might be the only person in Alaska that is certified to do the training. Wow. Um, but I mean, I it's it's awesome. I 
cannot say enough good things about it. And I'm very excited to do my first uh, six-week live course later, later this spring. Okay. Um, this is huge. I am just like so many things in what you were saying really resonated with me. The whole fix it, Fran. I recorded a podcast episode the other day, but I think I'm gonna have to re-record it because it was just, it was a total mess. It didn't come out correctly. But like you said, when you had talked about fix it, Fran is like, it's almost like the savior mentality that we can take on as parents of like, let me just fix this. Let me just take care of this. Let me fill this role. And I think it can be very toxic like in motherhood, if you're, if you're stepping into that a lot. So I'm excited. Maybe I'll postpone this podcast episode even till I learn more about fix it, Fran, unless you want to share about her today. But this marathon view, when you said that I was just like, that's, you know, long days, but short years is like parenthood. And sometimes I feel like we can get so stuck in the long days. And I know I, like when you said that, I was like, yeah, I have that, I have that mindset right now. Like two and a half is not my favorite age. And, um, it's my husband's favorite age, but it's not mine. I would, I would rather have a newborn that keeps me up every two hours of the night or whatever. Um, shifting expectations, huge, huge, huge for me taking things personally. That is like, that's something we all need to learn how to do. I feel like in our society, not just with parenting, but with peers. Absolutely. Yeah. Like being triggered is a major thing these days, but it's like, it's not, sometimes it's not even, you know, actual triggers. It's, it's just taking it personally. Um, and I love that you mentioned about having a strengths-based approach to parenting. And I think that's like, I'm very much in line with that with my coaching is like, let's focus on your strengths, not, not ignore your weaknesses, but like living in your strengths really helps you change your mindset and your mentality and like your approach towards things. So, um, I love that too. And I love that you said you first took this as a parent, you saw the transformation, the results from it. And then you're like, I want to share this with my community. So you went out and learned it and now you're teaching it and I'm, I'm super excited. So this is going to be a six week live course, um, local, like to the Anchorage, Alaska people, but, but hopefully, and maybe at some point it might become, a zoom thing online. Um, but this is very exciting. I think you said starting in April. April. Yeah. Mid April. Perfect. Yes. And so with that fix it Fran piece, um, to not live in it for too long, it's kind it's one of the avatars that sanity school uses to really get to hone in on who you are as a parent, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of this, a lot of, um, this this course is about first acknowledging your own strengths and your own challenges, right? And so there's several avatars mm-hmm. is what we call them. There's Denying Dale, there's Distant Dan, Defensive Drew, Anxious Ava, Nagging Nan, mm-hmm. right? This is the mom that just nags. There's mm-hmm. Pushover Pat, um, Bootstraps Bill, right? We all, Angry Ann, <laughs> Conscious Connie, Maxed mm-hmm. Out Maxine, there are so many different um, mm. roles that we that we end up unconsciously really taking on yeah. as as a frustrated parent, and so uh, you know that fix it Fran speaks to a lot of people, um, and the idea is is that we really want to hone in on what kind of parent you are, so that so that you know what you're looking for, right? So that you mm-hmm. know when you're being triggered because you're 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 actively 
you know, you're acting out that, that fix it brand or that, um, that angry Andy. Um, so the idea is know yourself and what you do in that, in that stress cycle so that you learn how to slow that down and not do that. Because what happens is when you fall into those roles, then your child is also, um, you're setting you're setting up the relationship mm-hmm. for him, for him or her for your child to go into their own set of frustrating behaviors yeah. and and that's when we lose right i mean as parents unfortunately sometimes we we see things as win or lose and mm. you know my in having two of my own uh growing adults <laughs> i don't even like calling them children i like i i see them as as growing adults um I've realized over the years more and more that that I might be the parent, but they are the teachers. Mm. And the things that I have allowed myself to learn from them, I could not have learned any other way. And I am 10 times as 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 blessed and knowledgeable because I was able to see them as my teachers instead of vice versa at the right times in our, in our lives. So this really is about co-creating. This is not about, and this is my, I mean, just my own personal beliefs, um, which happen to, to come to also be a piece of this impact model and a piece of this sanity school is that, you know, I need, them to also have buy-in into their own lives, right? The things we're trying Mm -hmm. to teach our children is not because it's not just cause. Yes. (laughs) It's because we believe that it will serve them somehow. Mm -hmm. But until they realize that it will serve them in the end, um, there's going to be a lot of pushback. So again, the course is about, you know, learning what our role is in their lives kind of according to age, there's, there's, there's a general, there are about four phases and it starts with, you know, we're really doing a lot of the directing, a lot of the, um, a lot of the leading and our end goal is that they lead themselves, right? We don't, Mm -hmm. we can't just do everything for them. And then at 18 be like, okay, bye. See you later. (laughs) Right. So we have to, we have to figure out you know, what phase they're in, you know, is it, is it at the, they need a lot more uh, support right now, but then we'll start kind of letting go of the reins a little bit in a month or in two months. Um, or are they really able to do some things mm-hmm. totally alone and yeah. un, um, unsupervised? Yeah. Um, as scary as that might be for a parent, we have to, we have to be able to get there because we expect them to get there eventually. So we have to give them the opportunities to succeed. Yeah, that's huge because um, I see this a lot. And like, like we're talking about my son, he's two and a half. He's already two and a half, but he's only two and a half. And there are so many things that he can do independently. Like I was just telling you, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm like, oh, can you clean up your Legos and put them in the bin? And he like cleans up his Legos, puts them in the bin, takes them back into the toy room and puts them exactly where he got the bin from. And I was just like, whoa, like I've never instructed him to do that. He's just picked up. This is how we clean up. And, and like, I never even asked him to put them back in the toy room ever. 
prior to like, just can you clean up your Legos and put them in the bin? And he just knew. And then there are so many other things. Like we have this little cabinet that has his snacks and his plates and bowls and cups. And, and he knows to go there and get them and he can help himself to snacks and whatever else. And there are so many things that my son at just two even could do on his own. And I'm like, this is great. You know, he's independent, but then at the same time, now he thinks he can go stir a pot of boiling water by himself. I'm like, no, do not go up by the stove. You know, that's hot. That's turned on. But I think it is. I see a lot of moms who will, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say helicopter parenting, but will like just hold the reins so tightly that they're not actually equipping their kids or like giving them the opportunity to grow and learn what they need to, because it's, I don't know if it's the fix it Fran or whatever it would be, but just like, we want to like fill that role and nurture them and care for them. But it's definitely like a fine line of like, of where that is. And so I love that you had pointed that out. I loved um, that you had talked about, you know, getting buy-in from your kids and this co-creating together. Um, my mom, I love her to death, but there were so many times growing up where it was because I said so. Mm -hmm. And so it was very difficult for me to see adults doing one thing, but then I was told to do something different because they said so. And so it wasn't like there wasn't this co-creating or this buy-in. It almost more so created like a rebellion in me to like, oh, because you said so. Well, just find a way to do it without her knowing or something else, which I know I'm not the only one there. You know, this is teenage years, I feel like a lot of, and for me, I'm, I'm terrified of the teenage years. Like even teenagers, when I'm around them, I'm like kind of uneasy because of how I was as a teenager. But then I, I read something, I don't even remember where it came from, but somebody had mentioned that you're actually raising your teens between age two and 12. Mm. And I was like, wow, that is so profound. And it, and it really changed my perspective. Like, I don't have to be afraid of the teenage years for my kids. If I can focus on teaching and equipping them and like having a good relationship with them up until that point. Absolutely. I would, you know, I would uh, kind of bring back what you were saying earlier about me having, having taken the sanity school myself. Um, you know, one rule we have, between between my my teens and and I is I told you so is never a good answer mm -hmm. and that has been the case forever since they yeah. since they could speak mm. um I told you so is just not a legit response <laughs> from from me to them mm -hmm. um right because uh, the things that the things that I teach them, I have to be willing to do. Mm -hmm. And again, right. That's where I, I had to take the sanity school course first mm -hmm. because I don't ask any client, any parent, anybody yeah. that I am involved with to try something that I haven't tried myself or I'm not willing to try myself. Mm -hmm. um, and similarly, um, I, I just, I value reason. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, it was very difficult for me to ever say, because I told you so to my children, mm -hmm. um, so much so that when they were, I mean, as little as four and five, and they would ask me something, I would give them the answer, you know, whether it be yes or no. And then they would get a very long essay type explanation, explanation about how I came to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, one is going to be 14 soon. 
and he asks me something and I will answer, you know, the way I consistently have, which is a yes, because, or no, because, and he stops me dead in my tracks and says, I just want the yes or no, <laughs> because there is no question that I have thought this through and I am prepared with mm. why it is this answer. And so now we're at a point where, where I don't, I don't get that. Uh, you know, what a lot of parents would call pushback, mm. not because it's not going to come one day, you know, I mm -hmm. fully expect them. I mean, they are their own people. And there are certainly times yeah. where they disagree with, with my opinion, and they verbalize it. And, and we have great conversations about that. I mean, they really, yeah. I mean, they are just, they're human beings that happen to be younger, mm -hmm. um, chronologically. <laughs> but, um, you know, the more respect, I have had for them mm -hmm. as human beings, the more they have been able to reciprocate. Yeah. That's huge. It just made me think about like this whole, because I said so and like hearing that so much or because I told you so growing up, like I've, I've seen that a lot in my relationship with my husband, like, especially very early on, thankfully it's not really anymore, but like, I would ask him something like, Hey, can we go on this vacation somewhere? Which is a very hot topic right now. Um, can we go on this vacation somewhere? And his answer would be no. And then I would launch into this full like presentation mode of like, why I need to convince him to see my side and like, you know, it was like he knew saying no was going to like stir up this like, let me show you the spreadsheets and like the budget and the numbers and the calendar and like why we can. And like I would work so hard to turn it into a yes. And so it just made me think when you were saying that is like so much of our relationship with our kids like shows them like how to interact and relate to others in the world, whether it's their spouse or their coworker or their boss or their friends or, you know, so on and so forth. And so. I just thought of that when you were talking about that, you know, relationship with your kids. And, and I think that's really powerful. Like I've just gleaned a lot from there. Like I'm showing my kid how to interact and relate mm -hmm. with the world and to relate with me. And I think it's really important to have that like respect because I want to be the kind of parent and grandparent even that when my kids or grandkids are going through something or find themselves in a really tough situation that they can come to me and talk to me about it. I'm not going to respond in judgment or in anger or whatever else, but like that, that I'm somebody that they're willing to come to and talk about like the hard stuff. Like I did something wrong and I found myself in this situation and it's a pickle and, and just be able to like help them through that. Cause I know growing up so many times I found myself in those situations and I didn't feel like I had anyone that I could go to and be real and and like, I'm a human being and I messed up. Somebody help me. You know, it was just like, I just had to stay in that and work my way through it. But yeah, a relationship with a trusted adult is the best gift a child can have. Mm -hmm. It really is. It is, it is a very big, it has a lot to do with, um, you know, how they, how they're able to, to manage themselves mm -hmm. in the, in those very turbulent teen years and all the way into adulthood with their own spouses and, yeah. and peers. Yeah. True. Yeah. I love that you had mentioned like you're not the kind of person that would ask anybody to do anything that you're not willing to do or not willing to try. And I'm very much that same way where um, like I hold myself to a high standard. And I have very high expectations. And my husband's like, man, you need to give yourself a break sometimes, which I'm getting better on. Um, but he always says like, I, I do have high expectations for others, 
but they are significantly lower than my expectations mm. for myself. And so I love that he recognizes that and sees that in me. Um, cause I'll let others get away with way more than I would ever let myself get away with. But, um, I just love that you had brought that up. Cause I think it really shows like just integrity and like genuine, um, stuff. And I feel like we're very much like that in our home too. Like we're very much a play hard family, but work hard has to come first. And mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing my husband and I aren't willing to do. Like we will take a job as a janitor or, you know, at the lunchroom or whatever, like as a trash, whatever these, like, you know, I would almost quote like lower class jobs would be like, if that's what we needed to do, like I'll clean toilets. I don't care. Actually I do I have an Airbnb clean toilets quite frequently. <laughs> um, but also like I'm, I'm willing to work hard to play hard. And I want my kids to know that and see that too. Like I'm not, I'm not asking them to wash the dishes because I'm above that or, exactly. you know, whatever else. So yeah, very cool. So are there any, um, I mean, I've already gotten a lot of value out of this and like just made me think about things in different ways, but is there anything that you could like give the listeners as, as a takeaway or like maybe even, maybe even it's something we've already talked about or you've already mentioned that is like, if you do not take this class ever, if you don't find one in your area, if you're not local, this is the one thing that I think if you just think about this and what it means to you. I think it would boil down to that um, co-creation mm -hmm. statement that that comment I made earlier about how, you are not alone. You are, you might be the chronologically older person mm -hmm. in the room, but it does not mean that you are the wisest mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, by far, you know, um, these kids know stuff. They mm -hmm. feel stuff. They are, they are human beings with dreams and thoughts and perspectives that, that sometimes as parents, we never give them the credit for because when we bring them home, they're just, they feel like they're these little helpless pieces of just love and we want to protect them. And all of that jazz is true, but they have, they have some very valuable insights to give us. And I'm not sure if I already said this, but when we, you know, when we bring them home at first, we we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, I'm responsible for this, for this baby, for mm -hmm. this child. And my challenge to any listener is to consider shifting some of our, your vocabulary uh, to being responsible for these children and instead considering that we are responsible to these children mm -hmm. and notice what might change when we, when we, when we shift just that one word, when we're responsible to our children, you might find that, that you interact with them a lot differently and that your expectations of both yourself and them shift in a way that that really alters the course of your relationship with your children and um and your role as a parent. Yeah, that's huge. I remember the day that we brought our son home and before we left the hospital like, you know, he was adopted at birth, we had to sign a waiver that like 
he's very much still their kid. Like they had not signed away their rights or anything like that. So we had to sign a waiver that we are taking home somebody else's child. And if anything happens, we will be charged for murder or neglect, all these other things of somebody else's kid. And this came comes right after they give you like 10 papers on SIDS and like all these other things, you know, first couple of days of life. And I did not sleep for two days straight. And I was just like, I need my mom. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm responsible for this child's mm-hmm. life. You know, like it was just, it was a lot, but I think, you know, definitely right there at the beginning you are right. You have to feed them and so many other things like they cannot function without you, but so quickly, I mean, within the first year, two years, they're already their own human. Yes. And that is and, what we forget as parents that yeah. it's a, it's a very short lived responsible for mm. period. Yeah. <laughs> and it quickly moves into yeah. a responsible too. I think some of the times most recently when I've carried the most mom guilt is when I have like responded inappropriately. Like I yelled at my son or whatever else. And then I was just like, wow, that was, that's, that's not me building the relationship I want to have with him as an adult. That's not me instilling the values in him and like self-worth and all these other things in him that I want him to have as a grown man. And I just like, I just messed up. Right. I'm like, I'm going to mess my kid up. And so whatever else. And so I think that's huge. This is responsible too. I feel like I've never heard that anywhere before. And I love that you had mentioned, you know, they are the teachers like that to me is it is like part of the sanctification process of parenting. Like since becoming a mother, I have learned so much about myself and the way I relate to the world. And, and I think it really is like self-control and discipline is what it takes to be a good parent because you're trying to teach your kids self-control and discipline. And you simply can't do that if you do not have the self-control and discipline. And it's like, do I want to continue this conversation with my friend or do I want to interrupt her 15 times to instill these values in my toddler? And it's like, no, I'd rather just talk to my friend and just let my kid do whatever he wants. But that's not getting to this ultimate goal of like equipping them. And so, so huge. So, so many good things that you have said throughout this um, that I absolutely love. Ellie, if people want to find you or connect with you, I see you have AK Confluence, um, both on Facebook and on Instagram. I had said at the beginning, you had mentioned um, it's akconfluence.com where people are able to find your website. And if anybody is local interested in getting in this six-week sanity school um, that is going to be live here in the Anchorage, Alaska area, people will need to email you. And what is the best email address? The best email, there are two emails that you can use. If you want to email me directly, that would be Ellie, E-L-L-Y at akconfluence.com, or you can email our admin, our front desk, um, and that email is info, I-N-F-O, at akconfluence.com. Okay, great. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for being on here. Like, I could definitely see you being on this podcast again in the future, because this is just like not even scratching the surface of this wealth of knowledge and information that you have towards like becoming our better selves, but also becoming our better selves to be better parents to our children. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you listeners had a notepad with you to write down notes. Like I was here while Ellie was sharing with us and I hope you all have the best day.